welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. Here we will talk about doctrine and theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to respond and face these issues. Get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready to have your tables flipped. As a friend just told me recently, Table Flippers is flipping awesome. Here we go again. We're at it, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm glad that you're tuning in with me. This is your host, Robert Enos of Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Works Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. If you're looking for a great church, hey, look no further. Come check out Greater Works in Lancaster. I want to uh, continue with what we've been talking about as far as the end time. Now, if you've been tracking with me, you know I haven't really been teaching end time doctrine uh, too much. I've been talking about the failure of what we call eschatology or end time doctrine in America today. I've been talking about how it's not only failed us, but it's literally just false doctrine. And um, if you haven't listened to those podcasts, please go back in the podcast list and find the one where it says, Are We in the Last Days? And I have, are we in the last days? That's part one. I should have put part one, but I have part two, part three, all the way up to part five. This will be part six. Now today I'm not going to talk about the failure of this uh, doctrine and how it's false as much. I might a little bit, but as much as I just want to share with you the mindset that we should have and the teaching that we should have. In the last podcast that I dealt with, part five, I said that uh, we should be dominion-minded. And when I said that, I realized, you know, I need to kind of elaborate on that so that everybody knows what I mean, dominion-minded. Because the eschatology as is taught in America today is a weak, it weakens the church, it weakens us, it makes us cowardly, quite honestly, it makes us cowardly. And it's not in any way of strength or dominion. Remember what we were given all the way back in the book of Genesis, and then it was reiterated in the book of Psalms and other places that we have dominion, dominion of the earth. We have been given dominion. So you and I, we human beings, ladies and gentlemen, have dominion over the earth. Doesn't mean we own everything, but we are to steward everything. We are to have dominion over the earth. This is why in the book of Revelation, we are told that we are kings and priests. Our priestly duties connect us to God and to one another in that spiritual sense. Our kingly duties helps us to rule and take dominion. We have that authority. So when we preach a doctrine or teach a doctrine that says uh, Satan is coming, Antichrist is coming, He's, you know, all of this, what it ends up being is a failure on our part. A failure on our part to take dominion of the earth that God has given us. And you see, even though Jesus is the ultimate owner of everything, he's given us to be stewards of this earth. And he's given this thing called dominion, this authority to rule on his behalf. So think about this. If Jesus has to come back and put everything back in order, he has to deal with this person called the Antichrist. He has to deal with this, you know, the beast system, the, the Babylonian system and all that. And he has to put everything back in order. 
then what's that saying is we have failed to do our job in this. Let me, let me give you an example. Let's say that uh, parents, you give your, one of your children an automobile and you say, this is your car. You, you have to take care of it. You have to put gas in it. You have to change the oil. You have to put new tires on it. You have to wash it. You have to vacuum it. It's your car in that sense. It's in my name, parents. It's in my name, but it's your car in that regard. So in essence, you've done for your child what God did for mankind. Let's say six months go by and you look out there and that car is just a filthy mess. It's dirty. Uh, you go out there just to kind of look at it, check it out. You open the door and all kinds of um, trash falls out of it. And uh, so you go ask your kid, hey, you know, what's going on with your car? It's dirty. It's filthy. It's full of trash. And um, he or she could go out there and clean it up and make it look good. But you have to assume that they've treated the rest of the car the same way. The oil hasn't probably been changed. It hasn't been maintained. And you left that in, it's in your name. Remember, you're still the owner of it. You've given them the stewardship of it. And at any time, if you have to go and fix that car that's been in their hand, if you have to go clean it, fix it, wash it, put new tires on it or anything like that, it's a huge failure on the part of your own children that you have to go fix or fix uh, do uh, something that they should have been doing, that you've given them the authority to. And it's the same thing with us. So if Jesus has to come back, the way it's being taught, the way it's being taught, don't get me wrong, I know Jesus is coming back. He is coming back to set up his kingdom on the earth. And in essence, heaven and earth merge together as the new Jerusalem comes down and he sets up his kingdom. It's all the things that are going to happen between now and and, this, and that time that I disagree with with most um, end-time teachers. So anyways, I'm going to get back to this because I want to share with you some things about this. In the book of Malachi, the last book of what we call the Old Testament, the previous covenant, Malachi writes this in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And he said, God said, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Unless I come. If these things don't happen, I'm going to come and strike the earth with a curse is what God is saying. But look at what it says in verse 5. I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, many have read this and, and think, or it you know may look to them, that's the same day. There's one day, it's great, and it's dreadful. And But I'm looking at this as two days, and let me explain to you what I mean. We understand that, that uh, the spirit of Elijah did come. As a matter of fact, let me read this in Matthew chapter 17. This is Matthew 17, verses 10 through 13. His disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes... Uh, say that Elijah must come first. Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. So we understand that John... John the Baptist was the one that came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. 
This is very clear in Scripture. And we, we, we read in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, that there is a, the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Again, these are two different days. There's a great day, there's a dreadful day. We see this also in Matthew 17, what we just read. He says, indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. So he says, is, as is, as if future. Elijah will be coming in the future. He is coming. But in verse 12, he goes on to say, Elijah has come already. And they knew him to be speaking of John the Baptist. So there was the, he already came in John the Baptist, but the spirit of Elijah is coming as well. There's a great day, there's a dreadful day. Now the reason this is so important is because what has been missing in pretty much all end time doctrine, as it's taught in America, is this reality. That Elijah, the spirit of Elijah will come into the earth again that there will be um if you will that spirit and it's and we know it's a spirit it's a spirit of elijah and i'll explain that in just a moment but it was first of course in elijah then john the baptist and then there's going to be a a future time when the spirit of elijah comes back into the earth to do what? To restore all things, to prepare for the, the way of the Lord. So before Jesus can come back a second time, there's going to be the spirit of Elijah uh, restored back into the earth. And this is where it gets really exciting. But let's look at this further. So in Luke 1.17 says, He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that's what the spirit of Elijah does. And we understand again that it was the spirit and power of Elijah. Yes, it, there was a man that carried that spirit and power, but nonetheless, it was the spirit and the power behind it. Now, please don't misunderstand this, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I, I, I speak to a lot of people that get into what a friend of mine used to call the spooky spiritual. Yes, it's the spirit and power of Elijah, but it's not his physical human spirit. God doesn't have ghosts running around doing things like that. It's the Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit worked through Elijah. Holy Spirit as he worked through John the Baptist. So it's Holy Spirit, but in a unique expression that brings about restoration, okay? And that's what the spirit of Elijah is all about. It's the spirit of um, restoration. Well, revelation as well, but restoration. Now, why is this so important? Because I'm about to read to you, take you to a passage of scripture that talks about the true end time happenings. That again, I is very rare do I hear this preached about, especially in context of what we call end time doctrine. And this is in Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, please, I would love for you to see this. Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 19 to verse 21. And in verse 19 it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until 
the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Did you capture that? Here in the book of Acts, in the Bible, it tells us what must take place before Jesus can leave heaven and come back. It says heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things. Jesus will remain in heaven. There will be no rapture. There will be no second coming. There will be nothing like that until everything is restored. Everything is restored back to its original design and purpose. That's what the Word of God teaches about end time. So we have all these books, these movies, these writings, these uh, articles, these sermons saying everything's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's somehow supposed to point to the coming of the Lord. But the Bible itself, the word of God that's infallible, says something different. It says that Jesus will not leave heaven. Heaven will receive or hold on to Jesus until the restoration of all things that has been prophesied by the holy prophets. Do you realize that there's things in scripture that was prophesied, spoken of, and we are not living or seeing today? I'll give you one example. And this is a big one, ladies and gentlemen. This is a big one. We talk about the, uh, the uh, nation of Israel. And if you've ever been to Israel, or you find Israel on a modern map, a modern map, it's just this thin sliver of land along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea between like Syria and Egypt. Very thin sliver of land. Um, very small nation. But if you read in the pages of Scripture and you see what God promised Israel as far as just land from, from Syria all the way down into Egypt where the Nile River has its headwaters, all the way across the desert to the Euphrates River that comes into, uh, what is that, one of those, um, anyways, one of those seas down there, and then all the way up the Euphrates River back into Syria again. This huge piece of the land was promised to, the, uh, to Israel that they do not have today. They don't have today. So, if God promised it to them and they were supposed to have it and keep it, that's one of the things that was, again, prophesied by the holy prophets that must be restored to Israel before what we call end time could actually play itself out. Because that's a restoration of something that was prophesied by one of the holy prophets. How about mankind back to his original purpose and design? Now, please don't misunderstand me. We, that's why we have Jesus. And nowhere in scripture does it say every human being is going to be saved and start walking in his God-given destiny. I know that. But let's face it. If we're honest with ourselves, even those in the church who claim Christ, most of us are not living up to that standard. Certainly not the standard of dominion that God gave us. Again, that's another promise and another prophetic promise that must be restored. God's people must rise up and start taking dominion of the earth and, and working the earth the way it's supposed to be.
Because if we had done that to begin with, or if we continued doing that even up to this modern age, we would not in any way, in any shape or form, have some kind of silly doctrine that emasculates us, where we just have to get out of here because everything's getting so bad. It wouldn't have gotten bad in the first place because we have authority. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize that you and I have the authority to even command the weather? We have the authority to raise the dead. We have the authority to walk on water. We have the authority to heal the sick. We have that authority. And that when we speak something in alignment and in accordance with the will of God, even angels have to move and act and work to bring about that word that came out of our mouth. And you wouldn't know this because the modern church is teaching something exactly opposite, that Satan is in control of everything, that Satan owns everything, and that we just better hold on. Hopefully we could just hold on until Jesus raptures us out of here before it gets too bad. Well, that's a defeatist mindset. I want to say it again. That's a defeatist mindset. And that's the mindset that weakness breeds. That's the mindset of the cowardly. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I said it. It's the mindset of cowards. It's the doctrine of cowards. And I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. And why do I hammer this so much? Why don't I just let people alone and leave them alone in their delusion? Because the Bible says, when you know the truth, when you know truth, when you know the truth, it is the truth that will make you free. And I'm all about freedom. I'm all about loosing the bonds that even false doctrine can create, not only for myself, but for everybody around me. How can I live my life on this planet, watching people that I absolutely love and adore get deeper and deeper into bondage of false doctrine without saying anything. What kind of loving brother in Christ would I be if I didn't say, wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen, wait a minute, brothers and sisters, wait a minute, friends and family, that is bondage. That is bondage. What God has really given us and called us to is a dominion mindset, dominion action. He's given us dominion authority to rule and reign in the earth and bend, if you will, bend the earth and how it works and what it does to God's original design and purpose. So that every word in the scripture, every prophecy in scripture is fulfilled. And we don't see the destruction of you and I in this end time, uh, um, what we call end time in this time in the Bible. I know you think you do only because people have been pushing it upon you. It's been pushed upon you. And we've been buying into it as if it's, quote unquote, uh, gospel. And it's not. Most of the things that are in there trying to shove it into this time period is false. Are bad things happening? Well, of course bad things are happening because the church, the one that has the dominion to change things, isn't rising up in power. So bad things are happening. We have bad world leaders, exactly, because again, the church is not rising up in power, exercising its authority and putting these people in check. Come on, let's face it, right here in the United States of America. I remember years ago when uh, George Bush, George W, was, was running. And a lot of Christians got behind him because he kind of gave this, um, you know, this uh, facade of being this really strong Christian. I don't know. Maybe he is. But, you know, there's some things that I've seen that I don't like. But nonetheless, irregardless, uh, 
It was the evangelical church in America that rose up and rose up strong, supported him, and put him in the presidency. The evangelical church, when they went out and vote. And ever since then, I, I don't really know what happened. I think perhaps they were a little bit disillusioned, which caused them maybe to not want to show up for the next round of uh, elections, because I've heard so many evangelicals say, oh, don't get involved in policy, what's the point, or politics, what's the point? There's no point in it. We have other things to do. Jesus wouldn't do this. Jesus would, come on, that's all silly and stupid. This is your nation. Get involved, go vote, and quit using these stupid, silly uh, excuses, because that's what it is, stupid and silly, and it's not even really silly, because silly is funny, ha-ha, and this isn't funny, because look what we have now. And why do we have a Joe Biden in there who is literally destroying this nation from the inside out? Because the body of Christ in America has gotten too lazy, waiting for Antichrist, and they won't go out and do simple things like vote. And then sometimes when you, some of you uh, um, so-called Christians do vote, you vote stupid. And what do I mean by that? You vote dumb. You vote, but my mama vote Democrat, so I'm going to vote Democrat. Well, you know what? The Democrat Party is not the party that your mama used to know, and that's the dumbest reason for putting somebody in office today because somebody 100 years ago or 50 years ago voted a certain party. You, you assume that that party is exactly the way it was 50 years ago? Absolutely not. Just take a look at Joe Biden. We could have avoided this. Ladies and gentlemen, we could have avoided this. How? Quit getting caught up in foolish doctrine that weakens us, makes us into cowards, and thinks there's no hope. Take upon yourself the dominion mindset that says, I'm supposed to take dominion of this earth. I'm supposed to create something that looks a lot like Eden. And the way I get Jesus to come back is bring about the restoration of all things. Would that be even included in politics? Well, of course. Righteous leadership is spoken about in the Word of God. So if we're not working to bring about righteous leadership, well, come on, Jesus isn't coming back. It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. It's that simple. So back to this point. We've got to stop with the defeatist mindset. We've got to, we've got to stop with the failed mindsets. And we've got to start embracing a dominion mindset. A mindset of strength and power, not cowardice. A mindset that says, we're going to be here for a while and I'm going to leave this planet in a better condition than when I came into it. It's going to be better for my children and my grandchildren because I'm going to work hard to bring about the restoration of all things because I want Jesus to come back and I want him to come back to something that we built that will glorify him. And that's what it's about, ladies and gentlemen, being a, bringing glory to Jesus. If Jesus came back right now, right now in, in this world's present condition, would that glorify him or would that kind of tick him off? Would he walk around going, my, my people did a great job? Or would he said, my people, what were they doing? That's why Jesus even asked the question, when I come back, will I really find faith? And I hope the question is yes. If he came back right now, no. Cumulatively, no, he would not. Because there's not enough faith-filled believers bringing about the restoration of all things to give something that glorifies him when he does come back. And instead, we've given him garbage. We're giving him garbage. Oh, thank you for getting us out of here. Just, oh, thank you. Things were getting bad down here. 
Oh man, you know, Judgment Day is not going to be fun for a lot of us. I'm, I'm serious. Judgment Day is not going to be fun for a lot of us. What did you do with the planet I left you? Oh, you know, I was just hiding in my little cave. Oh my gosh, I was afraid to go out. Oh, oh my gosh, Antichrist was coming. Oh, the beast. Oh, this. Oh, that. The mark. The 666. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and Jesus is going to look at us and say, where did you get all that nonsense? And we're going to point to books and writers and authors and pastors and preachers, but we'll never be able to point to the Bible because it doesn't teach it in that manner. Nothing in the Bible is to... to cause fear in God's people, cowardice in God's people, or laziness in God's people. Everything about God's word is supposed to birth dominion, strength, and power. So ladies and gentlemen, I think it's about time that we do that. Let's put aside this silliness. Let's put aside the silliness and uh, really rise up in the things of the Lord. We can do this. I want to leave you with one last thought. In the book of Romans chapter 8, and uh, well, we'll just read 18 through 21. Listen to this very carefully. Again, book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 through 21. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, what these, are, what these few verses are saying is that the entire earth, if you will, all of creation, is subjected to, how does it say here, um, uh, earnest futility, subjected to futility and corruption, meaning everything's breaking down. Okay, and we, and we can see that all all around us, but that's not the way Jesus or that's not the way God originally planned the earth to be in all creation. So something has to bring about. Remember the restoration of all things. Something has to bring this earth out of its corruption out of its futility. And it says it's going to be when the sons of God are revealed. Well, who are these sons of God? That's you and me. That is you and me. When we start operating in the things of the Lord, when we start operating in the dominion that he gave us, we start operating in the authority and the power that he gave us, the earth itself will respond and come out of its bondage, out of its corruption, out of its futility. That's what the word of God says. That's the restoration of all things. So when is all of this going to happen? When the spirit of Elijah comes into a generation, causing us to no longer walk, talk, act, and think as children of God, but sons of God. There is a difference. And as a son of God, operate in the authority and the power given us with the mindset of that restoration, of that spirit of restoration, the spirit of Elijah. We will start moving and changing this planet to look the way it was supposed to look, to function and act the way it was supposed to function, to produce what it was supposed to produce. That ladies and gentlemen, will capture the attention of heaven. That will capture the attention of Jesus. That will bring him back. Nothing that the devil does will bring Jesus back. No problem in this earth will bring Jesus back. It isn't the problems. It's the glory. And what have we given him? What are we leaving him? Problems. None of this is going to bring back Jesus. 
So I know some of you are sitting around, oh, Jesus is going to come back any minute. No, he is not. Stop that. Jeez. He is not. He is not coming back until we have given him something worthy of coming into. That is true end time doctrine. That's true eschatology. Hello, fellow table flippers. I have some exciting news. Table Flippers is now selling merchandise. Table Flipping Merchandise. You can find our merchandise at tableflipperspodcast.com, tableflipperspodcast.com. And if you put freedom in the promo code area, you'll get 10% off. That's exciting news. Freedom, because that's what we're all about. Freedom as the promo code. So I hope to see you soon, and I hope that you get some of this exciting uh, merchandise so that we can all look cool together. We will be flipping awesome. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers Podcast. I'd really love to hear from you. Please look us up on the web at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Or you can email me at gwccrobert at gmail.com. I'd really love to hear from you. Please let us know how we're doing. Keep all those comments coming. Until next time, you all have a great and a blessed day. Mm-hmm.